Max Gorlin, Melbourne Football Club. You're listening to the Coaches Panel. This is Nat Fife from the Fremantle Footy Club. Trent Cotchin from the Richmond Footy Club. Scott Penderbury from the Collingwood Football Club. You're listening to the Coaches Panel. Patrick Cooch from the Carlton Footy Club. It's Rory Sloan here from the Adelaide Crows. This is Tom Mitchell from the Hawthorne Footy Club, and you're listening to the Coaches Panel. Hello, friends. MJ from the Coaches Panel. Welcome back to another episode of the 50 Most Relevant. Today, we're talking about the former bomber, Almost swan, but no, he is now playing for the Brisbane Lions in 2021. I'm talking about Big Joe Danaher, and on this episode, it's been a few days since we've had him on, so we thought we'd better get him back in. Hello, Kane. How are you, mate? Good, thank you, MJ. Very interesting player in Joe Danaher. New club is always something I feel like that gets people's appetites wet and automatically gives pretty much most players a rise in their stocks. But when you've got one that's missed as much time as he has... There's a fair bit to work through. There's a lot to look at. Still just the 26 years old. It feels like he's been playing footy forever. And part of that is because it feels so long since we've actually seen a, even half a season of games from Joe Danaher. But from the handful of games we did get last year, we did see some pretty reasonable scores. A 103. Uh, it was his first game of the year. It was against the Hawks. I think it was at Adelaide Oval. That kind of sums up 2020 footy. And then in AFL Fantasy and Dream Team, an 85. Again, not an adjusted average score, what he actually delivered. From a career perspective, 127 is his best AFL Fantasy score. That came against the Bulldogs in 2017 while in 2016, it was his best ever super coach score against the Blues, 134. He's going to be priced at an average of 48 across the formats, with the exception of AFL Fantasy. They have given him the times 1.25 adjusted average, which is only still the 60. In super coach, bargain basement price, $233,300. Just a touch under 400 k in Dream Team while in AFL Fantasy. He's going to set you back 432000 Kane, it feels like an understatement to say it, but the past three seasons, pretty much nothing has gone to plan for Joe Danaher. Yeah, not at all. Again, the main, the main issue, MJ, which we know is so important in fantasy is he's just not on the park enough. Again, if, you've, if you're combining for 15 games across three seasons, albeit last season was shortened, again, seven, four, and then four games again, it's not going to help you in any format. I don't care if you're really scoring, no. you know, if you're a true premium. Like for a guy that really has had one season that is fantasy relevant, if you're combining that with horrible durability, you know, you can't even pick your matchups with him in the past few years. And he's a guy that, off the back of that big 2017 campaign, yeah. I think a lot of people thought that he would settle in to around that 80 mark for much of his career prime and, and be an option that, especially in draft, is very relevant. And fantasy, depending on when you yeah. get him, could be very relevant also. It's just been a really tough ride, hasn't it? You've alluded to those injuries. And, and it's always been this thing where we've always gone oh, why is he back now? He feels like he's rushed, has had osteitis pubis and then some just some ongoing setbacks um, as a result of that. Um, and, and then when a player doesn't play as much as it does and have as, as many as these long-term injuries, it kind of does two things for us as fantasy coaches. First, it just scares us right off. Almost regardless of the price, we see a guy that has played, as you mentioned, just a handful of games over the past couple of years. You've got to go back to 2017 for the last time he played not just 22 games, but more than 10 games in a year. That immediately just puts fear into the heart of coaches. The second thing it does do is it actually 
makes it harder for us to remember the potential scoring capacities that they have. We did get that game back in 2020, that round 14, which was his top, his top score. In that game against the Hawks, he took 10 marks. Five of them were inside 50, three contested marks. He had eight score involvements, kicked three goals, three, finished that game with that super coach ton and an 85 in Dream Team and Fantasy, which again, if you're adjusting those scores, that is a 106. That 2017 year you alluded to where he played every game, he averaged a career-best 86. That had nine scores in Supercoach going 90-plus, six over 100, and included that five-goal haul where he went 124 while in Fantasy and Dream Team. He boosted his average up 13 points from the previous year up to 85. That included uh, 11 scores north of the 90 market and six tons. And I think what makes it really difficult for us to pick key position players often in fantasy footy is their scoring variation. Not only is it so drastic with its swings, but especially key forwards, it's heavily linked to what they can do when it comes to impacting the scoreboard. Yeah, that's the interesting part, MJ, with key forwards is in addition to that, matchups is key as well because they're the ones that really, depending on who they've got, if they've got Harris Andrews in Joe Danaher's case, yeah, very likely going to be a tough day at the office because like you said, they're usually, for the most part, goal dependent. If they can get a bag, that means they're getting the ball in their hands, they're getting marks, they're getting all the things that we need for points. And on the flip side, if they're not, you know, their teammates are going to look the other way. If they've got a Harris Andrews on them, you're not going to kick the ball to them as much as someone else in the side. So that's a challenge in amongst itself to pick key forwards. And when I look back at Joe Danaher's best year, because really MJ outside of that one 2017 season, he's got a 72 average yeah. in dream team in 2016. He's never averaged above 70 no. in super coach outside of that big 86 season. And the interesting part about Joe, and a lot of it does come back to his, his accuracy for yeah. the most part is most key forwards, you find that the differential between DT and Supercoach is usually at least 10 points. Yep. Like the good ones, it's usually 10 to 15, depending how you know, good they are with contested marking and obviously setting Story up goals for their teammates yeah, or converting them goals themselves. But when you look at, at Joe, his best positive Supercoach to DT ratio is just over um, one point. Wow. It's just over, he had 85 in... DT the year when 86 in Supercoach. Whereas on the flip side, he's got a lot of seasons where he's actually in the negative. Yeah. You know, if you look at what happened last year, he averaged 48 in both formats. But like you mentioned off the top, those were shortened games. So really he averaged 60 points in DT yeah. and 48 in Supercoach. The year before, 69 in DT, 62 in Supercoach. So I think that's the thing. Whereas the price jumps out to me in Supercoach because yeah, really he's price. only just above a rookie price. It's you know, 30K more than Eugle Hagen. Yeah. Like that's so he's, the price point. And really, if, if Eugle Hagen or Thilthorpe or any of, even Will Phillips as a midfielder, if they got into the mid-60s to you know low 70s, You'd be thrilled. it's probably a success if they play every week. So mm. um, I think when we see that, we think surely Joe can clear that bar. You know, for a guy that's got a big season of 86 and 85 across the formats, but it does worry me that there was some solid seasons in there at Richmond, excuse me, at Essendon before that. And, it, and he's only netting returns in the, you know, either high 50s or high 60s for the most part. Yeah. So it's got to get you thinking, MJ. He's going to, he's going to Brisbane. Yep. Again, a very good team. But in conjunction with just Joe not being on the park, we don't know what this makeup Looks is like. going to be like. Yeah. 
um, you'd think with the guys delivering the ball in, and again, as we said, when you go to a new club, there's that desire to really prove that this is the player that we wanted and you want yeah. to see them net the best return. But at his price, MJ, what is a win per se? What is a win? Are we hoping that he kicks a big bag and we can just cash out? Is that the best result we want? That he has a yeah. hundred point, point game in round, you know, between round five and eight, and then we can jump off. Is that our best case scenario that we're hoping for? Well, I think the best case scenario is he goes back somewhere resembling that career season. Now, one of the things we don't know is Joe's always been the, the lone target inside that Essendon forward line. Up at Brisbane, he's got a really nice complimentary set of assets. Number one in Eric Hipwood, another really intimidating tall forward, who, again, has not really put it all together to fulfill his potential talent. But again, he's going to be a handful for opposition sides. Then the opposite, They've got a really damaging small forward, arguably the best small forward in the game right now in Charlie Cameron. That's not a knock on Waller. McDonald, Tip and Woody are really fine player, but he's not quite at the standard just yet of Charlie Cameron. So I, I do think the best we can hope for is a, is a return back to that 2017 season. I think what's a little more realistic is that we actually see him kind of go, if we can get a 70 out of him in super coach and somewhere in the, you know, th- that's worth it. I think he's going to have to do that and more in Dream Team and AFL Fantasy, given that price point, to feel like that's a success. You're probably going to need him to get somewhere back in that 80s um, as well. Um, But that, for me, would probably be a real win. What does concern coaches probably a little bit is that actual um, ability to be able to play enough consistent footy games. Yeah, that's the the massive challenge, isn't it, MJ? And unfortunately... It's a massive unknown. I guess a lot of this risk is mitigated by his price. And we know that round two is that week where you can really, you know, make all your moves, realign your team. And there's plenty of options across all the lines. And with the amount of DPP we have these days, it's not hard to move a Joe Danaher to almost any other line in the ground if he was to fail. So I think the first thing is, He's got to play at least once in the preseason. You yep, want to see him at least once. You'd love to get a bit of role clarity because the main thing as well, as well is, is he can ruck. So I looked yeah. at Hipwood's scoring just before and he's you know, a 64 player in DT this year and a 72 to 73 in Supercoach. So he's mm. around that mark that you sort of said is passable for Joe at his current price. The thing is, Steph Martin's gone out of that team. Yep. And, and previously it was Steph and big Oscar McInerney were sharing that role. And if Steph was out, you know, even an Archie Smith's got, got some game time. So with Steph out, it seems like a good time. And especially with Oscar McInerney, he's, he's put the time in. Yeah. It seems like he's the easy 80% ruck. Yep, I agree. And if there is some points there for Joe in the ruck, again, I'm talking maybe two center bounces, yeah. a quarter at best, maybe even just two a half is enough. You get yeah, four maybe a game. Yeah, maybe four or five hit outs a game top. And maybe he does a little bit of stuff in the, in the forward line if they want it. Yeah. To be that way, he's never been a big hit-out player. No. Um, like, he's not that type of guy. Like, you're not going to get double digits. That no. that would be ambitious. He's he's probably a four to five is what you're probably pretty happy with. Yep. But again, if it's four to five and it's to a Lockie Neal or a Jared Lyons or a Dane Zorko, it might it might net you some more some more points in that fashion. But I think realistic is probably the key word, MJ. And I think realistic is on the park is what we sort of <laughs> yeah. would need it to be right. That would be a yeah. realistic expectation. And I don't think you need every game 
until round eight. No. But you'd love at least six. Yep. And you'd hope that in one of those games, ideally not round one or two, because you're not going to get the cash return you want totally. if they deliver a score then. But if he can just have one big game, and again, he showed it in just playing four games last year. He has an ability to ton up. Mm. And if, you're, if you produce a ton and you're in the 230K bracket in Supercoach, you can almost guarantee you'll get to 300 there. Yeah, really comfortably. Again, in Dream Team and AFL Fantasy, I'm, I'm not as bullish on him there. I think there's a little bit of money to be made, but with some other options around or cheaper than him, I just think you're probably better served. But in in Supercoach, if he gets to a preseason relatively unscathed, almost regardless of that role of ruck or, or forward, like I said, he's 30K more expensive than Jamara Hagen. He's got six or seven seasons if AFL experience, um, he is an elite mark. He's got a really nice motor about him. People forget just how talented he is. And when you think about what Brisbane have been able to do with two specific players over the past few years, it should give you some confidence that he should get pretty close to that round 13 buy. And, and again, there's some forward options from that round 12 buy that you can go and get your danger field. If you, if you, whatever reason you're trying to go against him, uh, you can go and get a Toby green. You can go and get one of the Port Adelaide boys that have maybe broken out. If you're not comfortable picking a Rosie or a butters. So he's got a nice buy for us. He's really nicely priced. And what Brisbane have done with both Lincoln McCarthy and Grant Birchall in the past two seasons really needs to be talked about because just a few years earlier when Lincoln McCarthy was at Geelong, he struggled to actually play. Um, between 2017 and 2018 at Geelong, Link McCarthy played just five games. But since being at the Lions, he's played 37 of a possible 39 home and away games. Also at Hawthorne for Grant Birchall during 2018 and 2019, he just played eight games. But last year, he played 14 of a possible 17 home and away game. So Brisbane have this new reputation over the past 24 months of taking guys that have these multiple soft tissue injuries and haven't been able to get themselves physically right. Joe Danaher is now going to this club that has got this history over the past two years. And like you said, if you can get anywhere from six to eight games up until that multi-buy round, regardless of the role, I think in Supercoach, if he gets through unscathed, I'm all on board Joe Danaher. Yeah, again, the price is just so cheap there, MJ. Another thing you got to realise as well is he wasn't happy at Essendon. And he, unfortunately for them, he had lost faith that they could get him healthy. So not only is he going to a new club, like you mentioned, has runs on the board, but he's clearly chosen that club because he has complete confidence that they can get him fit and healthy. Yeah. And, and you can't tell me as well that there wasn't a part of Joe that thought, why am I going to put in or risk myself in these final few months Totally. Again, I, th- I think, again, any club that was a prospective Danaher, you know, onlooker, wanted to see him play. And it's yeah, no surprise something. to me that he, he waited until the last five rounds of the season to play his yeah. four games. Yeah. To show them coming into that period, I can still play, but, you know, I'm not going to get injured in this last few weeks either. Yeah. Just get me through, tick. And again, if you look at the money that he was offered, clearly... Yeah. clearly Brisbane he think play. he can play yeah. again. I, I think that that 2017 season will be his career high forever. I don't think he'll surpass the 85 and 86 mark in the two formats. Yeah. But again, we're not talking about a guy that's priced at that. We're just talking about a guy that if you're just above rookie price, you really just need to perform just above rookie performance, which really is if you get into the seventies, 
as a forward, especially. It's a tick. As, yeah. And the thing is, well, MJ is with a lot of rookies, there is no guarantee that they're in the side week after week. There's yeah. been rookies that have good scores and we think play well enough and get dropped. Joe Danaher is not getting dropped. No way. It's only going to be a tactical rest pretty much or a legitimate injury. Mm. And I wouldn't think the tactical rest would come more than once in the first six to seven rounds of the season. I agree. And ideally, if you time that right, and especially with the volatility of a big forward, as I keep saying, one big score at that price range, very, very quickly he can be making 100K plus. And, yeah, it just doesn't seem like much of a risk. Again, in DT, just a little bit harder. NFL the fantasy, there's isn't a quite bit there. of cash. If you think his mm. early fixture means you can turn him for a quick 50 to 100K, then that's fine. Yeah, in Dream Team, I'm not really interested in him at all. Fantasy, again, depending on how you like to build your side through that forward line, because we still do have some value. You could argue Danger's got a bit of value on him. Dunkley's got a bit of value. Um, you know, Heaney's got a bit of value. Buddy has got a bit of value who we talked about um, already in the 50 most relevant. So there's guys that are still there. Um, I, I think the major reason, like across the board, that you'd go, I'm not even considering him, is his durability. Um, that's the only reason you wouldn't even consider him. I think in Supercoach, though, that, that, that price point kind of mitigates that risk anyway. My encouragement, if you're just going, I won't touch him, I won't look at him because of his injury history, just be consistent with that argument across the rest of your um, way you build your squad. So it rules out the Zach Williams. It rules out the Josh Kellys. It rules out these guys that you go, well, they're an injury risk because of what they've historically done. So that would be my only kind of challenge for people. If that's the sole reason you're ruling out Joe is, well, his injury history. Just be consistent. Um, if it's, I don't think he'll score well. I don't think the matchups are going to be right. I want to see what he does in these other forms. It's fine. Just be consistent with your line of thinking about how you build your squad of 30. Yeah, it's a very good point, MJ. And I think people get confused between a premium having to be injury-free and a guy that we're hoping for six to seven weeks out of. Like, I don't think anyone's spot. sitting here saying Joe Danaher will play every game at Brisbane yeah. next, this year. I don't think anyone is of that belief. No. Again, what we're asking for, like we said with rookies, there's no guarantee a rookie at just a little bit cheaper than the top enders yep. will play every week. So we're just, we just want Joe to play, as I said, if he plays six of the first eight it's and it's in that 70 range, he's probably done his job, especially yep. if there's a big score in there. So that's the thing. I, I get it for premiums because you're holding them the whole year. You don't yeah. want them to be missing games. And again, if history shows that they do, that is a valid reason to mark them down. But again, there's a lot of players in Joe Danaher's basket and they are cheap for that reason. But it's pretty obvious if he doesn't play in the preseason, he doesn't get named round one, you're not going to pick him. Of course not. If he does yeah. and he shows something and he seems confident, they're going to happen with Brad Crouch only two years ago, MJ. Yeah. He true. came out and said, I'm finally confident in my body. And, yeah. and he played the whole season and had a career year. Yeah, exactly. So, again, we'll get that verbiage over the next few months as we build into the season. We'll see it or we won't see it in the preseason. Yeah. And if he's named, again, then you can make your judgment. But I don't think you need to worry about someone like him at his price playing every week. That's not really the goal. You just need enough, yeah. again, pre-buy yeah. to make that 100, 150K. Because, again, he's not. if he's a keeper, it's... It's great. That's all gravy. Yeah. But you really just want the safety of a rookie sort of price player that can give you yeah. 100, 150K and you can play them on the field with some confidence. Like if his worst score is a 40 to 35, well, at that price, that's sort of what you're going to have to risk. Yeah, you're going to get that anyway. So I, I agree. Dream team pass for me. AFL fantasy, 
Look, maybe a watch list, but again, I, I think, you know, based on how you like to structure your side, he might be in contention or not. Super coach, he just needs to get vaguely through the preseason and play, and he's going to perform arguably better than most forwards we're going to get at that price point. A pass is he plays six of the first eight weeks. A win is he gives you some big tons along the way. And an absolute bonus is he gets through to the multi-buy round and you can flip him. Really, really easy. I think that's the objective. When it comes to drafts, a little bit different. I've probably got him in a in a similar vein to where Buddy Franklin, who we talked about yesterday in the 50 most relevant, which is, you know, he's sort of a mid-teens late flyer he's you're picking him in the guys where you where you're just kind of hoping that they turn into something I, I wouldn't be getting him any earlier than look a last on field forward is is kind of the earliest i'd be going and the best case scenario for me is he pumps out some nice scores early and you flip him in a, either a keeper or a single season draft for someone you've got a little bit more faith in as the year goes on i, I don't know man where are you thinking you'll take him in a draft yeah mj be lucky to be drafted in mine again depending how deep we're going but if we're a single season he's probably in the last the last round really depending on how deep your squad is just because again as i said in in dt he's got one score one seasonal average above 72 and we know that in again unless your league is huge that's not really a fieldable number again you can play the the waiver game and get someone who's going to be close enough to that just playing matchups you know the gary rowans of the world that always are in and out of the waiver pool, depending on who they're playing. So not really. Keeper, you would maybe just roll him up around. Yeah. Because there's that That's potential. Fair. There's potential there. It's again, I don't see him ever getting quite to that level. But again, it is an asset that if he had a hot streak, you'd be looking to cash out. But as I said, he's just not he's just not quite at that level where he's even reliable for me on field every week. Yeah, um, it needs yeah, to be, be very late. For, be very late for mine, which is probably a position where I'm not going to get him. Yeah, no, fair enough too. All right, mate, appreciate your thoughts today on Joe Danaher. If you want to go and check back other podcast episodes, you can do that by wherever you're getting this podcast right now. There's a bunch of other episodes already from the 50 most relevant. You can check out the article at coachespanel.tv, both on Joe and all the other players revealed so far. And there you've also got the links to join our Patreon army where you get exclusive content. Uh, You get early access, 24-hour early access to these podcast episodes. Yeah. They already know who's at number 45 um, and a bunch of other free stuff uh, heading the way to our Patreon armies. You want to join that uh, links for that too at coachespanel.tv. Uh, we've been pretty forward heavy so far in the 50 most relevant, but tomorrow time to head to the back line yet again, but I wonder who it's going to be. Give it all, now give it all.